Disruptive behavior in school is a crime. What? Is this guy kidding? Welcome to Hack Learning. It's what you can do tomorrow. I'm your host, Mark Barnes, and today we are uncut. And I have to be uncut because there's just no telling what's going to come out of my mouth today. It would take far too long to edit. And I just have to get this out there. So in the open, you heard it. I said disruptive behavior in school is a crime. And then, of course, I said, what? Yes, because those aren't my words. This is an article, of course, shared where else on Facebook. And it comes from some newspaper or online site. Now, you can look this up. You know, I'm not going to call names on here or say who said what. I just want to discuss the topic. So someone gave me this topic and fueled my frustration. And then again, if you want to find the person, that's fine. Honestly, I don't even want to point people in the direction of this guy. Believe it or not, this is written In a newspaper, severe or continual disruptive behavior in school is a crime. Yeah, I know. It's hard for me to even talk at this point. Again, we're uncaught. Thank you for listening. You found this uh, either because someone shared it or because you're a subscriber, and I appreciate that. And if you're not a subscriber and you were fortunate enough to find this, I appreciate listening. And you can get more over at HackLearningPodcast.com. No show notes today. If there were, I'd be too tempted to quote and link and... I don't want to start a, an uproar where people are, are coming at this author because they've already done that. But I have to say it because I think it's important for us to cover the topic. When someone goes out on a public forum and says that disruptive behavior in school is a crime, we have to address this. This is a, a problem that has to be hacked. This article begins with the quote of a study. Now, it, it's not really a quote because... We don't know where the studies come from. I love this. And and this article is rife with this kind of bizarre, loose reference to studies. Studies show us, the article says, that the loss of instructional time for students who are suspended or expelled is rising. How can we reduce suspensions and keep students in school? Well, the answer is to not reduce them, but instead to put them out, as in students. Put them out. Literally says... The solution to disruptions is to put them out. And the article goes on with this person comparing disruptive behavior to criminal behavior and again quoting some government study. We don't know which one, but some government study found that from 1980 to 2014, the incarceration rate grew by more than 220%. In that same period, violent crime rates fell by 39% and property crime rates fell by 52%. It makes sense, the author says, with fewer criminals on the streets, fewer crimes are committed. Now, there are so many holes in this wild statement that I couldn't even get to nearly all of them in this one podcast episode, and I can't spend a month or more on this topic. But to make these uh, generalizations is just uh, unconscionable. I mean, there are so many factors in crime rates going up and down that are left out just because, of course, someone wants to suggest that if we use that model, 
and we go to our students who are disruptive and say, well, we're going to put you out of school, that then problems will immediately decrease. People are actually agreeing. Now, there are many on this site who disagreed. And of course, the author then felt compelled to push back in another article and respond to the comments, which, believe it or not, they're all wrong. Anyone who says anything against them is wrong. If he's listening to this podcast episode, I'm sure he's going to say, I'm wrong. That's his, his response to people is, you're just wrong. The reason that I bring this up is, first of all, we need to shine a light on this attitude. The attitude that disruptive kids should be suspended or expelled or just removed. As soon as a student gets in the way of learning, they should be jettisoned from our class. This is, uh, again, it's, it's why we're on cut today because, uh, as you can tell, it'd be far too much editing needed from me. Uh, for this single episode. What I want to suggest and what some people suggested on this article is that first of all, instead of getting rid of kids, let's keep them in a classroom and let's teach them about better choices. Let's nurture our students and perhaps the behavior issues will change instead of just pushing them out of the way. You know, recently I have done some episodes around Hacking School Discipline, which is a wildly popular book right now in education. And that shows me that people want to do it the right way because Hacking School Discipline is nine ways to create a culture of empathy and responsibility using restorative justice. The idea here is to teach kids the right behavior. Does it take time? Sure, it takes time. Is it something that needs to be systemic? Yes. Should it start very early and continue? Yes. Is there work? Of course. But in the long run, won't it be better than saying, hey, you disrupted my class, so I'm going to throw you out because I need to work on the needs of all of these other well-behaved students, and you don't matter if you disrupt. Put them out, he says. Again, and I quote in this article, put them out because they're criminals. Instead, I want to go back to hacking school discipline where our authors say that the hack for this is to cultivate empathy. We must be intentional about cultivating empathy in our classrooms, the authors say. Many students are not hardwired to understand others. Empathy must be learned and practiced. Not all students get exposure to people who are different than them or have had opportunities to learn to interact successfully with people who are different than them. These students will fall behind on the path toward empathy just from a lack of exposure. Empathy must be present, however, if you want an emotionally safe learning space where students can be themselves, take risks, and speak freely without the fear of ridicule and judgment, and where bad behavior is minimized because students are better able to empathize with others. There's nothing in there in that excerpt from Hacking School Discipline about simply getting rid of the kids who are disruptive, who don't understand empathy. Instead, the authors suggest fostering an environment of empathy in your space. Students need to become aware of how their own communication styles and choices affect other people, the authors say. Start incorporating the idea in your classroom with empathetic body language, tone, and diction. These 
are aspects of communication that works, that creates empathy, not saying get out, go to suspension, be expelled. I don't want you here. None of that's empathy. None of that prepares kids for the real world, which is something we love to do. The authors of Hacking School Discipline provide multiple ways to help our kids understand empathy, for teachers to model it uh, for kids in ways we maybe don't even consider, for ways to practice empathy so that it becomes something that is ingrained in our students. We need to model empathy. We need to help kids understand the harm they cause when they are disruptive. We need to discuss it in our classrooms. We need to involve all students and have them carry on a conversation about the problems with disruption. Will this take time away from curriculum? Sure it will. But in the end, everything will get better. You'll get the time back two, three, or fourfold because you will see behavior change. And this is crucial. You don't see behavior change. No matter what someone writes in an article quoting some mysterious studies or research out there and interpreting it in the most bizarre manner, you don't see change by getting rid of the problem. We're teachers for crying out loud. We have to teach kids more than math and science and reading and writing. It's our job to teach them about life. Please do so. Don't get rid of them. Keep them and help them.